You're listening to the Burke and Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast, the place I go to get my fantasy fulfilled. The best analysis, advice, and opinions on fantasy football that you can't find anywhere else. Let the fantasy begin. Hi, you're listening to Ms. Montalban. I'm here today to bring you the latest signings, injuries, and breaking news. Thank you for joining me. Let's get started. Wow, what a weekend. I just uh, wanted to go through all the games that happened really quick. You have all these games that went down to the wire. You had the Cincinnati-Cleveland game. Baker Mayfield threw it to Donovan Peoples-Jones, of all people, at the end of the game. Um, And then you had the uh, Matthew Stafford hit uh, with zero time left on the clock against Atlanta. And this game was just crazy because, I mean, Todd Gurley trying not to score is over the line and he scores. And then the Detroit Lions, Matthew Stafford, drives right down the field, hits TJ Hawkinson. And we'll talk about this later, but Stafford, huge disappointment last week. And then you know, was able to get that one and only touchdown with no time remaining to TJ Hawkinson was pretty epic game. And I don't like to use the word epic. I think it's overused, but uh, that would kind of describe that game in a nutshell. It was really exciting. And uh, then, you know, you had the Sunday night game with the Cardinals in Seattle. Zane Gonzalez shanks a field goal. And then Seattle drives down, throws an interception, and then Zane Gonzalez has another chance to redeem himself, and then he hits it. The Cardinals beat the Seahawks, and just a lot of fun things happen. And then, you know, the Steeler-Titans game, that game came down to the wire. Titans drive all the way down the field. Ghostkowski, who's had a really bad year so far, you know, you think he's going to make it. It's automatic. It's Ghostkowski, 45 yards, and then he shanks it right. And that game was over. Steelers are the only undefeated team left in the NFL. Just uh, just a lot of craziness and uh, exciting things. But uh, first off with the breaking news, Ron Rivera finished his cancer treatment without missing a single game. He coached every single game doing cancer treatments, and now he's done with his treatments. It looks like he beat cancer, which you know should be the top story in, in, of, in and of itself. Ron Rivera, Riverboat Ron, gambling with cancer and uh, came out victorious. Really great news. And, you know, obviously uh, Redskins players and the team sending out congratulations to him. And I wanted to do it myself. I mean, anytime someone beats cancer, that's a great thing. And I'm rooting for everybody in that regard. So good job, River, uh, Riverboat Ron. You, uh, you're a survivor. And we're rooting for you. Odell Beckham Jr. tore his ACL. He's going to be out for the season. And this is third time in four years that Odell Beckham has been on the injured list, which is pretty disappointing. Uh, he wasn't having, you know, he had flashes. He had like two games where he just flashed, and you're like, man, this is what Odell Beckham can be. You know, this is kind of his glory days from the Giants. And then... Uh, it just kind of faded after that uh, with this game with Cincinnati. He wasn't 
that involved. They were trying to get him the ball, wasn't working. He got hurt, and now he's out for the year. And that's just bad news for Cleveland because, you know, they don't use their receivers very often, but when they do, uh, they need them to make some plays. And now, you know, defenses can focus on uh, Jarvis Landry, and that's going to be it's going to be tough. I'm not going to lie. We'll see how Cleveland's able to to handle that, but uh, Odell Beckham's going to be a huge loss, even though he's you know as a fantasy football option a, a really in, inconsistent receiver. John Boston. Uh, he will not face a suspension for hitting Andy Dalton. And I just want to say that was a really dirty hit. And I'm an advocate for just letting the boys play. You know, there's going to be some uh, things that, you know, head, head-to-head contact that is kind of inevitable in, in my eyes. I, I think they go a little bit too far in regards to suspensions and penalties. But in this case, I don't. I really feel like it was dirty. Andy Dalton was sliding. He was giving up his body. And John Bostic just came across him and nailed him right in the head. Knocked off his helmet, everything. And Andy Dalton's probably not going to be back this week. I mean, I'd be really surprised if he comes back. John Bostic, he's uh, yeah, you know, he's a journeyman player. Played for the Bears. Played for the Steelers. Played for Detroit. Played everywhere. And uh, just... Not a good look on his part. You know, the Dallas Cowboys were already using their backup quarterback, and then you hit him like that and uh, take him out of the game. I would definitely think it earned should earn a suspension, and the fact that it didn't earn a suspension is, in my eyes, just, uh, you know, if that was Brady, if that was Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, if it was any of the other quarterbacks that uh, are one of the stars or upcoming stars of the league, I something would have happened. They definitely would have done something to that player that was the culprit of of a vicious hit like that. But they didn't, and uh, they're trying to you know they're setting a precedence that I don't think they want to set. And hopefully Andy Dalton is okay and is only missing a week or so, because even though the Dallas Cowboys offense has looked horrible and has made everyone fantasy irrelevant. Uh, and actually, their offense has been irrelevant. I mean, you look at the Dallas Cowboys and their offense, what they look like with Dak, Dak Prescott, and then what they look like without Dak Prescott, and Dak Prescott deserves that money. There's no other way around it. You know, it made it, you know, Jerry Jones made comments where it seemed like he wasn't maybe on board with paying Dak Prescott, but I think. I think this is maybe the best thing that happened to Dak Prescott was getting hurt because now that he's hurt and they're seeing how anemic their offense is without him, uh, I think he just made himself a couple extra million dollars, to be honest. Um, You don't want to not pay that guy and have to suffer through what the Cowboys are suffering through and what their offense looks like without him. So, Um, Anyways, moving on. We already mentioned the Steelers are the last remaining undefeated team. That's always a fun little thing. Uh, when you know you're, you're counting down how many teams are left that are undefeated. However, the Steelers do go to Baltimore this week, so it could be short-lived uh, by a week. You know, you know, your last undefeated team by a week. Now you play Baltimore in Baltimore, and it's not looking good for the Steelers to stay unbeaten. The, the Ravens always play the Steelers t- uh, tough, no matter how good they are. And at home at Baltimore, I just. Uh, 
But if you're a Steeler fan, enjoy it while you can. Uh, you're the last undefeated team. It's exciting time for you. Moving on to Raheem Mostert. He was placed on IR. And even more breaking news, Jeff Wilson, who just had an amazing game, which we'll get to pretty soon, he was placed on IR. So the 49ers' backfield is getting pretty depleted. They're, they're down to Jamichael Hasty, and uh, potentially maybe Tevin Coleman comes back from IR. But th- there's not a lot left in regards to uh, th- that backfield. So, you know, Jarek McKinnon is still around. We'll see if, uh, you know, he's been fading lately. So they, they do have some options, just, uh, you know, as of right now, they have three running backs on IR with Kevin or Tevin Coleman, Raheem Moster, and Jeff Wilson. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, we'll get to that as well because that makes for some interesting pickups this week. Uh, Jalen Rager comes off of IR. That's probably going to be this week. That's significant because the Eagles' receiving core is just decimated by injury. Alson Jeffrey hasn't came back, and it's looking like he might be on the trade block. Sean Jackson's out. You know, he came back last week and just got hurt. You really have Travis Fulgham and Greg Ward, and that's about it. So Jalen Rager, I, I think, is a good option. He's a talented individual. We haven't been able to see him much because he's been hurt most of the year. So hopefully when he comes back, he you know, isn't going right back to the IR again. Um, Denzel Mims came back and played, and he actually did pretty good. I mean, he had 40-something yards on on four catches, so he's an intriguing option. It's good to see him come out for the IR. He was uh, an exciting rookie that everybody was pretty excited about when he went to the Jets and then promptly got hurt and and didn't (laughs) didn't play at all in the season, and now he's coming back. And I think the biggest news of the day is Adam Gase is still not fired. Adam Gase's offense is just putrid. I I don't know what they're doing. They played Buffalo, and Buffalo couldn't even score a touchdown, and they still lost. I mean, you have a kicker that kicks five field goals for Buffalo, and that's a recipe for disaster when you play anybody. You know, you can't get in the end zone. You can't get in the end zone. For the Jets, it doesn't matter because you're still going to beat them. And... I mean, I expected the Bills to cover the spread and beat them worse. And if they would just would have scored once on any of those five possessions they kicked a field goal, they would have beat, uh, covered the spread. But it is what it is, and the Jets are a mess. And here's my theory in regards to Adam Gase. I think the Jets are going to keep him the rest of the year at this point because they're already like, we're god-awful. We're not going anywhere. We're not going to do anything. So as long as we have Adam Gase in charge, we're going to lose and lose badly. That's going to guarantee us the very first pick in the draft. It's almost like, you know, taking for Trevor Lawrence type deal. So the season's over. That's when you fire Adam Gase. That's when you get a new GM, get a new coach. And then you can draft Trevor Lawrence or whoever else you want. And I'll be honest, I like Sam Darnold. I don't think he's a horrible quarterback, but he plays for the Jets. And... You see so many people, you know, look at what Ryan Tannehill looked like when he played for Adam Gase. You know, Kenyon Drake, even though uh, he was injured this last week and hasn't had a great season. But players look a lot better when they're not playing for Adam Gase. I mean, Le'Veon Bell came back with the Chiefs this last game, wasn't able to do anything, averaged like 
three yards a carry for the Jets, and for the Chiefs, averaged six yards a carry. Now, granted, he didn't carry the ball much, but that's a huge upgrade from what he was doing for, I don't know, like 64 games compared to what he's doing now. And, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely an Adam Gase problem. And they're going to not fire him just so they can you know, clean house in the offseason, get a high draft pick. And I don't blame them at this point. You know, they're they're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to do anything. So if you're going to do, you know, be bad, be the best at being bad. And I think that's what the Jets are committed to doing. Like, we, we don't want to be decent and average and not make the playoffs and then still be in a position where we don't get our guy we want in the draft. They're like, we just need a total rebuild. We need to start over. So let's just be the worst at being the worst and get you know get the players that we're going to need to uh, rebuild this team because right now it's just a mess. So, man, let's get uh, let's move right along to the the goats of the week. The Burke and Miz goats of the week. Here we go. Quarterback, GOAT of the week, and let's just start it off for our number three GOAT of the week at quarterback. Kyler Murray versus the Seattle Seahawks. A really impressive game. I mean, he was able to really spread the field, hit Christian Kirk for a couple touchdowns. DeAndre Hopkins got a touchdown. I mean, he was he was flinging the ball everywhere running the ball he was uh he had 34 for 48 for 360 yards three touchdowns had the interception and then ran the ball 14 times for an extra 67 yards and a touchdown and you know the cardinals upset the seattle seahawks i had a feeling cardinals would actually win this game i know seattle was undefeated but you know, Cardinals went into San Francisco and played them pretty tough. And in these division games, you never know. And just Seattle's defense was what kind of sold me on, you know, the Cardinals were going to be competitive and hang around. So even if they didn't win, I knew it was going to be close just based off of that. Kyler Murray was just unbelievable. I mean, the reads he was making for a second-year player – you don't see that very often. I mean, I'm sure you saw all over Twitter where, you know, he sees DeAndre Hopkins one-on-one and he just smiles and then throws the ball. And that type of confidence for, for a quarterback is really good to see. They're, they're clicking on all cylinders. You know, Kenyon Drake in this one hurt his ankle, really opening the door for Chase Edmonds. And if, if you know, uh, if you've been listening to these podcasts, you know that Chase Edmonds is a guy that I'm pretty high on. I just think that he should be the guy he the Cardinals uh, run defense or run offense just looks a lot better when he's behind the ball toting the rock and he's also a good receiving threat I think he's a better receiver than Kenyon Drake so we'll see how this unfolds but I think this is a situation where Chase Edmonds takes over the starting role ends up being pretty impressive and then doesn't give the job back once Kenyon Drake comes back so we'll see but regardless, Kyler Murray is our number three GOAT. You know, that Seattle game, winning in overtime, he just moved the ball at will. Uh, moving on to our number two GOAT of the week, Justin Herbert versus Jacksonville. Kind of came uh, or had a slow start, but then pretty much heated up 
pretty fast. Um, 27 for 43, 347 yards, three touchdowns. He also ran the ball nine times for 66 yards and a touchdown. That's four total touchdowns. Pretty much has the same touchdown line as Kyler Murray. And just a really impressive performance. I mean, Justin Herbert's a rookie. He was a rookie that when he came into the league, they said he was going to need time, that he needed to develop behind Tyrod. He took the job from Tyrod once, you know, the punctured lung situation happened, and there's no way you can give it back to Tyrod. I mean, they're not giving it back to Tyrod, but, I mean, Justin Herbert doesn't look like a quarterback that needs some time to develop. He looks like he needs some time to get some experience and to dominate his division. And it's going to be, obviously, in a division with Patrick Mahomes, not that easy. But if you're a Charger fan, and I've talked to a couple Charger fans recently, they're all on board with Justin Herbert. They're so excited about their future and getting a guy like this who's looking this impressive. And one of the things I really liked about this performance, too, and actually last week as well, is they're not hitting their big guys. You know, Keenan Allen's not necessarily having huge days. Uh, Mike Williams had a huge game, you know, that Monday night against the, the Saints. But overall, they're, you know, Donald Par- Parham, the backup tight end, is getting catches for touchdowns. Um, you know, Guyton is getting catches for touchdowns. And it's just all over the field and with the chargers you don't know who those you know who's going to be scoring for them uh the fact that he's able to work the whole field and just hit the open receiver regardless on of who it is it's just been really impressive and i think you're frustrated if you're you know fancy football wise if you have a mike williams or a keenan allen because they're not getting the ball as much as you want them to and then when you know they're getting their t- their touchdowns vultured by these unknown guys that you don't hear of a lot. You know, Joe Reed scored last week. Uh, you know, we already mentioned Guyton and Parham. Um, it's, yeah, it's one of those situations where uh, the, the only takeaway or, or definite play you have with this team is Justin Herbert. But uh, I'm excited for his future, and he's our number two GOAT. Our number one GOAT is Tom Brady. Played the Raiders and just dominated them dominated them 33 for 45 369 yards four touchdowns he had one carry for 11 yards and he scored a touchdown or sorry one carry for one yard and scored a touchdown because you know tom brady's not running 11 yards uh he's able to get those one yarders and that's what he did so basically almost the same line except for he was able to get an extra touchdown pass and you know he hit gronkowski he had hit tyler johnson i mean he was hitting everybody uh, and Tom Brady, I will even be the first to admit that I was kind of nervous with his age, you know, whether this was going to be the time that he was going to decline and, and not get those, uh, not look like the Tom Brady of old. But with Bruce Arians and the way they're just kind of gunning uh, down the field, I'm, I'm impressed. And Tom Brady's being a lot more relevant than I thought. And he doesn't look his age right now. He's, this is the, what second or third time he's been a top five quarterback so he still has it in him and it's fun to watch and it's a lot more fun to watch with him being part of the Buccaneers instead of the Patriots because you know everyone's kind of grown to root against the Patriots and uh, him playing for the Buccaneers doing this is 
kind of a fun sight with a with a coach that's uh, letting them open up the offense a little bit and uh, you know throw it down the field. And he has so many weapons. And then you add Antonio Brown next week on top of that. I mean, you know he's going to utilize Antonio Brown. There's there's not going to be enough balls to go around on this offense. But it's going to be a fun offense to watch. So we'll, we'll see how you know it transpires. But Tom Brady, number one GOAT of the Week 7 season of 2020. <laughs> Our running back GOATs of the week have some pretty much we have a lot of surprises for running backs and this has been a really productive week this week for running backs because even if you weren't one of the top three that we're going to mention you have a a bunch of people that you know Antonio Gibson's not going to be on the top three and he had a really big game scored a touchdown you know Jamal Williams replacing Aaron Jones had had a pretty good game and he scored a touchdown Giovanni Bernard replacing Joe Mixon he scored a touchdown so just a lot of a lot of players were able to, you know, come in this week and, and be productive, and especially if you had them in fantasy football, you're pretty happy. But we're just going to talk about the top three because that's what we do for the goats of the week. Uh, moving on to our number three goat of the week, it's Todd Gurley versus Detroit. Todd Gurley had an amazing matchup. And, you know, when I gave out my FanDuel lineup last week, I had to pivot from Aaron Jones just because, obviously, he wasn't playing. And I, I pivoted to Todd Gurley, and I'm glad I did because, you know, he only had 63 yards, 23 rushes for 63 yards, which, you know, yards per average, not that great. A little under three yards, but he had two touchdowns, and then, you know, he had two catches for 19 yards. Those two touchdowns were huge, and it really came down to the uh, touchdown that we were talking about that he didn't mean to score. He went down, couldn't stop in time. Went, you know, the ball went over the goal line a little bit. They called it a touchdown. Detroit was able to get the ball back and then score and to win the game. So, uh, you know, I don't think anyone's ever felt worse about scoring a touchdown. You know, if I scored a touchdown in the NFL, even in that situation, I'd be pretty excited. Like, yeah, I scored an NFL touchdown. This is amazing. But uh, obviously, Todd Gurley is not me. He's uh, done this before. And he tried to not score, and it didn't work. Uh, if you had him for fantasy or, you know, one of your uh, FanDuel or DraftKings lineups, you're, you're pretty happy about that mistake. But uh, if you're a fan of the Atlanta Falcons, you are, are not a fan of that mistake. And it cost him the game. So I guess it's just a matter of perspective. From my perspective, it was good. Number two, GOAT of the week, James Robinson at the Los Angeles Chargers. He rushed the ball 22 times for 119 yards, had a touchdown, but then also had four catches for 18 yards and another touchdown. This was a game, I'll be honest, that I thought the Chargers would really bottle him up. James Robinson had a couple weeks where it looked like he was flaming out because he had amazing matchups and didn't do anything. And I was all on the James Robinson bandwagon at that point. And he really let me down. And then this week he has a pretty decent matchup. And then he goes off and is one of the top running backs of the week. Go figure. That's the way it works sometimes. But, hey, James Robinson just in general has been a huge surprise. You know, started off as a free agent from Illinois State. Took over the starting job when Fournette was traded to Tampa. 
and he's not looking back. He's actually, I think, overall the number two running back in all of fantasy football right now. So uh, there's not a lot of capital you had to invest in him. You know, he, I, most leagues he wasn't even drafted, and you're reaping the rewards for it. Number one is bittersweet because the number one goat of the week is Jeff Wilson against New England. The 49ers just dominated New England on the ground. They, they did whatever they wanted to. Jeff Wilson only carried the ball 17 times, but he had 112 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, just insanity. The, the bad news is he got hurt, and Hasty, uh, Jamichael Hasty, had to finish out the game. Um, we'll, we'll, you know, it, since then he was placed on IR, talking about Jeff Wilson here. So now that you have Coleman Monster and Jeff Wilson on IR, Hasty is and Jarek McKinnon are your guys. Just kind of crazy that, you know, Jarek McKinnon's on IR for like two years, comes back, and then the rest of the team gets on IR and he's the only one healthy. Uh, definitely not something you would see. 2020, though, that's kind of how it works. Uh, I, I guess that's how it is with 2020. Anyway, Jeff Wilson's our number one star. Much deserved. It's a shame we can't ride that hot streak uh, to the fact that he's injured right now. And, uh, yeah, let's go on to the receivers. Our number three goat of the week for wide receiver is A.J. Brown versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this is surprising because if you watch the first half, A.J. Brown didn't do anything. A.J. Brown was pretty much invisible. The whole Titans offense was pretty much invisible. Came out the second half right away, slant, 74 yards, touchdown. Ended the day with getting targeted eight times, getting six receptions for 153 yards and a touchdown. A.J. Brown is a beast. He's fast. He's hard to defend. And Pittsburgh is a, was a great matchup for him as they are putrid at defending the uh, wide receiver position and I'm thinking that uh, A.J. Brown's going to be a great play from here on out uh, the schedule lightens up a little bit but uh, he's fun to watch you know you see how big he is he's him and DK Metcalf and it's crazy that both of those guys were at the same school they're both at Ole Miss like how did the, how did Ole Miss ever even lose a game you have DK Metcalf on one side you have A.J. Brown on the other how did they lose a game? I, I don't understand it. Uh, right now, they're the two hot receivers, uh, you know, both in their second years, really just being matchup nightmares. And I, I, I can't, yeah, I can't comprehend the fact that they were both on the same team in college and what they're doing in the NFL. Uh, there definitely should have been some. Uh, I guess better production from the team standpoint at Ole Miss, but regardless, AJ Brown, great game, and if you started him, you're happy. And I don't see why you didn't start him because AJ Brown is a must start in any matchup. Moving on to our second goat of the week, Devonte Adams, first Houston, and this was not a slow start. You know, AJ Brown took a half to get going. Devonte Adams did not. He right away scored the first touchdown for Green Bay, and they dominated Houston. But overall, he was targeted 16 times. 16 times, you know. He, he was hobbling. Oh, I'm hurt. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to play. 
and then he comes out and gets 16 targets. That's why Devontae Adams is the number one receiver in the NFL, at least before the season we ranked him as the number one receiver because there's no other receiver that's going to get the targets that Devontae Adams is. Anyway, 16 targets for uh, 13 uh, 13 catches for 196 yards, two touchdowns, and it was really the Devontae Adams show. Aaron Rodgers, you know, oh, I'm in trouble, Devontae Adams. Um, this game wasn't even close. The Texans scored some garbage touchdowns at the end and some field goals, but, uh, I mean, this game was a blowout. You knew the Packers were going to come out strong from their dud they kind of laid against uh, the Buccaneers the week before. And it was it was fun to watch. And I'm expecting Devontae Adams to do more of this, and uh, especially with uh, their schedule that they're having coming up. Our number one go to the week, Tyler Lockett at Arizona. One, once you thought that no one could beat Devontae Adams and top what he did, you waited around for Sunday night. And there he was, Tyler Lockett, at Arizona. Um, a locket in his pocket. Twenty. Uh, he had twenty targets. Twenty. So, you know, we're getting all excited over the sixteen targets Devontae Adams had. Tyler Lockett had twenty. Fifteen catches, two hundred yards, three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. It was just unbelievable. Tyler Lockett was all over the place. You know, DK Metcalf, he had that great play where he chased down uh, Buda Baker, where he thought he was gone. DK Metcalf chased him down, and everyone was excited about that play. And it was a great play. But outside of that, DK Metcalf was pretty quiet. The All the action was going towards Tyler Lockett. And he made, he made Arizona pay, uh, even though it was a losing effort. But, I mean, 200 yards, three touchdowns. As a receiver, it doesn't get any better than that. Those are the games that you you know you go to bed and uh, you have dreams about where you're like, yeah, I got three touchdowns, 200 yards, and it never happens. It's just it never happens. You, you dream about it. And for Tyler Lockett, that does happen. You, we have Russell Wilson throwing you the ball. He's going to find you all day, and uh, it was an impressive performance. Okay, now we're moving on to the tight end goats of the week. And I'm going to be honest. There was a lot of excitement for the other positions. You know, for the wide receiver, running backs, quarterbacks, tight ends, it wasn't as exciting of a week for tight ends. And if you got a tight end that just scored a touchdown, you were probably pretty happy. It was uh, pretty melodramatic for that position. But having said that, we'll move to our number three goat of the week at tight end. And it's none other than Logan Thomas, because, of course, it is. You know, if you've been listening to the podcast, I've given up on Logan Thomas. Really liked him early on in the season, and he let me down time after time after time. Uh, it's like a like I'm singing a Cindy Lauper song. Time after time, Logan Thomas not going to pull through or, you know, do well with the matchup that he has. And then he plays Dallas. And he catches all of his targets, 60 yards, and a touchdown. It was kind of the Logan Thomas that we've been waiting for. And I guess he needed us to just give up on him before he, you know, like, I'll prove you wrong. I am relevant. And he was. He, you know, got the 60 yards and the touchdown. Our number three goat, so good for him. 
Number two, it's uh, the old school goat of the week, Rob Gronkowski. Uh, going back to his New England days, Brady was really targeting him a lot in this game. He had eight targets in total for tight end. That's big. Five catches, 62 yards, and a touchdown. Really good on Rob Gronkowski. And it's really fun to watch. And that chemistry that they have, uh, you, you know, you knew it was going to take some time, but I think Rob Gronkowski is really starting to come into his own, especially with O.J. Howard hurt. You know, you, you, I thought maybe Cameron Brait would start taking over some of that pass-catching uh, uh, from, uh, from Tom Brady at the tight end position. And it really just morphed into Rob Gronkowski doing everything. They actually moved into second place all-time as a duo. There's been very few people that have thrown more touchdown passes to each other. So I think uh, they just passed Steve Young and Jerry Rice, which is pretty big company. And, yeah, now number two is Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. And uh, so it's kind of fitting now that he's our number two GOAT this week. Our number one GOAT of the week is a rookie, and this was unexpected. Harrison Bryant against Cincinnati. He had four catches for 56 yards and two touchdowns. You know, Austin Hooper was hurt, not playing in this game. And you're kind of worried about the tight end situation because, you know, you knew David Njoku was going to be relevant. Um, You weren't sure how many targets were going to be divided between him and Bryant. So they were scary plays. And to be honest, they both scored. I mean, Njoku got a touchdown. Harrison Bryant got two touchdowns, though. So uh, Njoku's our number two. Harrison Bryant was the number one. He got the, uh, like I said, five targets, four catches, 56 yards. So uh, it's, it's looking really strong for him. And I, I actually haven't liked the fit of Austin Hooper. You know, he was their big free agent signing, but he is not getting separation. And Baker Mayfield's not really targeting him very much, and probably because he can't get open. And you saw Harrison Bryant in this matchup. He just looks like a better tight end. I actually think that if Austin Hooper comes back, that the Browns need to kind of stick with Harrison Bryant and uh, see what they got. He's a young guy. He's a more exciting guy. He's a more athletic guy. I-, I think he can be a really good tight end. And this it doesn't look like this Austin Hooper experiment's working. And I, I know it's early, and uh, there's there's still plenty of time for them to build that chemistry, but... Uh, yeah, I'm. I haven't been impressed with Hooper and Harrison Bryant is is doing what we thought the Cleveland Browns tight end would be doing all season long. Burke and Miz the Wiz Montalban, Ghosts of the Week. Let's get this started. Now it's time for our duds, our Ghosts of the Week. At quarterback, we have quite a bit. Our number three ghost of the week is Jimmy Garoppolo at New England. He was 20 for 25, threw for 277 yards, then throw for a single touchdown, threw two interceptions, and just a really putrid performance by Garoppolo. And this is the crazy thing is they won 33-6, to totally dominated the New England Patriots, and Jimmy Garoppolo had no part in that 
he just uh, didn't look good. You know, we talked about Jeff Wilson in the running game. The running game looked spectacular. And, yeah, overall it was just a pretty sad performance from Jimmy Garoppolo. And he, he's kind of a, a scary play. I mean, this wasn't a good matchup for him, so you're not expecting him to necessarily have a big game. But he's he's a game manager, and the 49ers use him like a game manager. He, he's not going to be a quarterback that's going to win the game for you. Um, he just... Yeah, he's just not. That's not the type of quarterback he is. You know, he can hand the ball off, do some play action, uh, but, you know, you, you need a key drive. You know, you're down, uh, and uh, you need to get in the field goal range. Jimmy Garoppolo is not necessarily the quarterback that can do it for you, uh, but he kind of proved it in this one. Really bad performance, and this is a game that uh, kind of has this theme to it, so we'll get back to this in a second. Sam Darnold is our number two ghost of the week. Played Buffalo, and we talked about this in the breaking news, but Buffalo didn't score a touchdown. Buffalo, you know, you figured was going to kill the Jets. They they didn't because they couldn't score. And they scored five field goals, and they still were able to beat the... Actually, they scored more. They scored six field goals. It was uh, 18 points. Six field goals. Couldn't get in the end zone any of those times uh buffalo uh you know they have a good defense so this was a bad matchup for sam darnold but i mean you you figured that uh he would be able to at least get maybe a touchdown or two no couldn't do that uh you couldn't beat buffalo who was not able to score a touchdown just uh this was just a really icky game all around this is a game where you know, if this was a food, you would take it back and ask for your money back because, uh, you know, waitress giving you bad service, or even if they're giving you good service, the uh, the food's too salty or too sweet or, or something. You're just like, get this out of here. I don't want to see this on my plate ever again. And this is kind of how I felt about this matchup. S- Sam Donald was 12 for 23 for 120 yards. Didn't throw for a touchdown, had two interceptions. And, again, I, I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I think it's Adam Gase. And I think the Jets are content with just losing and, again, blow it up in the offseason and start over again. But uh, they're, they're definitely not helping Sam Darnold out uh, at all. And uh, I guess the only positive in this whole game was the return of Denzel Mims. He looked like he could be a good weapon for the Jets coming, you know, moving forward. We'll see because it's it's still the Jets and you know I would say the Bears and the Jets offenses are are probably two of the worst in the league. I mean you watch these offenses and it's just it's hard to watch. It's just putrid, and and there's some other bad offenses, but just consistently those two are probably my top two. Where I'm just like, how do they even function or how do they even move the ball? Uh, this is just really hard to watch. Number one. Ghost of the week at QB is Cam Newton versus San Francisco. His day was so bad he got benched. He was 9 for 15 for 98 yards, three interceptions. So to put that in perspective, you know, he had nine completions and three completions to the other team. That's like a 33% rate of interceptions to completions. 
just really bad. And he deserved to get benched. He even made some comments that, uh, you know, that uh, if he doesn't play better, he deserves to be benched. He needs to pick it up. And he does. He does need to pick it up. Now, one of the things I thought would help him out a little bit is, you know, he's a rushing quarterback. His rushing yards weren't that great either. He rushed the ball five times for 19 yards. And I don't have really much more to say about this game. Cam Newton, uh, Cam, and his uh, super, you know, Superman celebration. Uh, we're able to see it, and uh, that his new celebration was him sulking on the bench. I know New England fans are eating him alive uh, this week in regards to that performance, and deservedly so. But. Uh, uh, you know, the money have definitely fallen because New England looks nothing like the team that they did for the last two decades, and it's it's sad. <laughs> Our running back ghost of the week is just as horrid as the quarterbacks. There's some names on here where you expected pretty decent performances, if not spectacular performances, and they didn't happen. We'll move right on to number three. Our number three ghost of the week is Mike Davis at the New Orleans Saints. Seven carries for 12 yards. He cut all of his targets for a measly 24 yards. And, you know, there was just talk last week about how you don't pay your top running backs, that they're replaceable. You know, they mentioned Christian McCaffrey and how well Mike Davis was doing as an example. And then you see games like this, and Mike Davis just looked horrible. Christian McCaffrey is close to coming back. Might come back this week. Probably or you know, probably not since it's a Thursday night, so they'll probably wait another week. But uh, they can't get Christian McCaffrey back soon enough. You really see just what type of playmaker that he is, and uh, the, he, he's definitely not replaceable. So you can find guys that can be productive, but uh, this was not the game for Mike Davis. And, and the Saints do have a pretty good run defense. So you figure maybe the receiving yards, he would maybe be able to do something. And all the way around, he was just pretty much shut out. And, you know, this was a pretty close game, uh, you know, within a field goal. And you figure on a close game like this that Mike Davis would have more of an impact. But he didn't. So we'll move on to our number two ghost of the week. That is Devin Singletary. At the New York Jets, this was one where you did expect a really big day from Devin Singletary. You know, Zach Moss was coming back, so you knew that Zach Moss might dip in a little bit, but not much. Um, Devin Singletary carried the ball eight times for 29 yards. He was targeted five times, but only caught two of those for 18 yards. And I don't know what's going on in Buffalo, but the running back play is what's been keeping that offense at bay. You know, they... Beginning of the season, they were really dynamic. Diggs was all over the place. John Brown looked pretty good till he got hurt. Josh Allen was on fire. But to be honest, I think that was what the issue was. Josh Allen was the running game. He was the running back. And as they're moving along through the season, they're trying to rely less on Josh Allen to carry the ground game and actually have their running backs that are paid to, to do that do something. And Devin Single just... Devin Singletary just hasn't been it. He was someone that, uh, when he got drafted, people were really excited about. And he had a decent rookie year. He thought he'd build on that. 
And so far this year, he just hasn't. He hasn't been that uh, electrifying running back that you thought he was going to be. And he's just not putting up these performances that you would expect on these uh, great matchups that he has. Our number one ghost of the week is Josh Jacobs versus Tampa Bay. And he's going to win my award pretty soon for the Sammy Watkins uh, Memorial Award. And that is someone that does amazing the very first week of the season and then kind of disappears the rest of the season. You know, if you drafted Josh Jacobs after that first week where he had those three touchdowns, you were on cloud nine being like, yeah, what a great pick I made. Like, I, that was the steal of the draft. But since then, he's done very little and really hasn't been relevant. And granted, Tampa Bay has a really good run defense, but he was 10 carries for 17 yards. That's not even two yards a carry. It's... It's like one and a half yards of carry. Um, had four targets, caught three of those for 14 yards, and that was really it with Josh Jacobs. And Tampa Bay d- destroyed the Raiders and kind of made you know uh, made the Raiders have to pass the ball a lot more than I think they were planning on. They, they probably wanted Josh Jacobs more involved, but that kind of went out the window with uh, once the Buccaneers took that you know early lead. Uh, it's unfortunate though because. Yeah, it really, Josh Jacobs didn't have the performance that you were hoping for or wanted. And you're probably probably tilting a little bit on uh, Josh Jacobs, unfortunately. And uh, really great talent. I just think the, the Raiders haven't been able to use him, and they haven't been in situations to be able to use him effectively. So congratulations, Josh Jacobs. You are our number one ghost of the week. Our wide receiver ghosts of the week is pretty crazy just because it's some wide receivers that really didn't do anything. So this is probably going to be a short segment. Our number three ghost of the week, Julian Edelman versus the San Francisco 49ers. You know, he hasn't been doing great. And it was like, oh, wait for Cam Newton to get back. You know, when Cam Newton gets back, Cam Newton targets him a lot. He'll be fine. Well, that hasn't happened since Cam Newton came back. Julian Edelman was targeted three times, had one catch for 13 yards. And you're at the point now where, you know, you're thinking about dropping Julian Edelman. And I don't blame you. If if I had Julian Edelman on my team, I would definitely be considering dropping him. Just week in and week out of not getting that production, is it's tough to have a roster spot for that. And, you know, I talked about the... The, you know, the Bears offense and the Jets offense. Well, the Patriots are starting to get like that too uh, on offense where, you know, they're they're able to run the ball effectively, when but they don't, haven't had a lot of good rushing matchups, so they're forced to throw the ball, and they just haven't been able to throw the ball. Cam Newton hasn't been accurate. Jarrett Stedham hasn't been accurate. Nobody's been accurate. So th- if you're a Patriots fan, you, you have to be a little bit nervous about how just there doesn't seem to be any chemistry with their uh, offensive game plans. But, uh, yeah, he, he's our number three ghost of the week. Our number two is C.D. Lamb against the Washington Redskins. He was targeted five times. Five times he was targeted against the Redskins. Didn't get a single catch, which means he didn't get a single yard. His, he did get one yard, and that came on his one carry that he had. So 
CD Lamb, if you started him or you put him in your lineup, you're really disappointed. Probably lost you the week. It's really tough to take of throwing someone in there that's going to, you know, going to give you a goose egg or, you know, one point or not even one point to be honest. That was like point one point. It uh, definitely isn't CD Lamb's best performance, but at this point, with the Dallas Cowboys, any of their weapons, I'm thinking about benching him. Uh, maybe Ezekiel Elliott I'm still playing, even though he's not doing anything either, just because of who he is. But you got to be pretty scared with the situation. Uh, until they can get this quarterback situation figured out, a lot, of, uh, a lot of people have some really great commodities in the Dallas Cowboys receivers and running backs and not able to be very effective with them since... Uh, you know, the offense just basically sank like the Titanic with uh, Dak Prescott's ankle. And uh, the, it's it's disappointing just to watch with, uh, you know, their defense is already really bad. And it was going to be the offense that was going to pull them through to get them some victories. And now that uh, the rug's been kind of pulled out from under them on, in that regard, there's uh, not a lot left for this Dallas Cowboys team. And how would you like to be in the NFC East right now? Like, yeah, we're the Eagles. We're in first place. We've only won two games, you know, two, four, and one. Uh, that's a tough go. But, hey, you're, you're in first place. This might be even worse than that. Uh, I'm trying to think of the, uh, the the team, the Seahawks team that was like six, uh, six and ten or, you know, seven and nine. or I think it was six and ten that ended up making the playoffs. This is uh, – Hopefully that we're not having a repeat of that situation with the NFC East. Our number one ghost of the week is Mike Williams, and he's definitely our number one ghost of the week because there was a lot of hype about him. You know, Justin Herbert made the comment where you know he's just looking for the one-on-one matchup and he's just throwing it up to him and letting him catch the ball. Well, that didn't happen against Jacksonville because he was only targeted three times the whole game. So I don't know how many times he was tar- you know he had one-on-one matchups with the Jacksonville Jaguars, but I'm sure it was probably a little, bit, a little bit more than three times. Justin Herbert was not just throwing up the ball to Mike Williams. So I, I think a lot of people that saw that or even had Mike Williams and, and saw that Monday night performance were pretty excited about this matchup. And the Jacksonville Jaguars are, are pretty good at defending that wide receiver position. They just are. I'm. Uh, it was one of the... You know, from the very beginning of the season, when you started doing the stats, you're like, you know, two weeks in, three weeks in, you're like, wow, the Jaguars, they are pretty impressive at defending the wide receivers. And Mike Williams was targeted three times, had one catch for four yards. So if you were someone that started him, again, you were pretty disappointed, didn't help you win your week. And, you know, it was... It wasn't. It was all for not because they did win the game. So, uh, you know, you, you'd always take the win over your stats, but you can't feel too happy uh, if you're Mike Williams right now, knowing that you only got four yards the whole game. <laughs> on to the next. On to the next one. Tight ends. Ghosts of the week. Man, th- this is actually. Uh, a good one to talk about because there was a lot of big name tight ends and some with decent matchups that just didn't do very well and it was disappointing but we'll get uh, right to it 
Number three, Ghost of the Week, Travis Kelsey at Denver. Denver's not horrible at defending the tight end. They just had a lot of injuries overall with their whole entire team. Travis Kelsey was targeted three times, caught all three of those targets for 31 yards. And I was expecting Kelsey to kind of be an integral part of his game plan in, in Denver especially. I figured he was going to be a matchup nightmare uh, for Denver. And, you know, Alexander, the middle linebacker, didn't think he could hang with Alexander or with uh, Kelsey. Uh, Simmons obviously is a, a great safety, but, you know, he's not going to spend his whole time defending uh, Travis Kelsey. So I was expecting more from Travis Kelsey in this one, and, and we definitely didn't get it. Uh, you know, 31 yards in this type of matchup. I, I was, I'll be honest, I was expecting a touchdown or even two. And uh, Travis Kelsey just, you know, <laughs> had a catch or two. Uh, no, he had three, three for 31, but uh, still disappointing. Number two, Ghost of the Week, Hunter Henry. He was definitely hunted by the Jacksonville Jaguars. He had seven targets, but only caught three of those for 23 yards. So had a very Travis Kelsey-like day, except for the difference was they threw the ball to Hunter Henry a lot more than they did Travis Kelsey, and he still couldn't do much with it. Uh, and then it was uh, kind of salt in the wound when you know Donald Parham, Parham scored the uh, the touchdown in, instead of Hunter Henry. You're like, wow, the this is the second week in a row the backup tight end scoring a touchdown. What's uh, going on with uh, Hunter Henry? And this was actually a really good matchup for him. He was actually one of the starts of the week. Jacksonville doesn't defend the tight end position very well but uh yeah hunter henry was pretty disappointing our number one ghost of the week is none other than, none other than janu smith and you know he was hurt and then came back and was able to play in the game against the steelers but he really was ineffective he was targeted four times he had the one catch for nine yards and with Janu Smith being a top three tight end, you know, you heard that he was playing, and you're really excited. You know, you hear he's playing, you're like, yes, my top tight end's playing. Pittsburgh, Devin Bush is hurt. It's going to be a prime matchup. You know, this is going to be amazing. And then he gets one catch, and Anthony Ferkser, well, he didn't do anything either. Um, but uh, overall, just a, a really bad day by Tennessee Titans tight ends. And Janu Smith, yeah, didn't do anything. He was almost, for those those four uh, targets, he was almost goose-egged. Uh, that one catch came off of like a, like a broken play where they, you know, he kind of wheeled out to the uh, sideline and they were able to hit him. Uh, overall, not a good day for Janu Smith. Better days are ahead. So if you have him, obviously you're, you're still rolling and riding with Janu Smith, but... Uh, this was not the performance that's going to win you fantasy football weeks. Yay! Ah, uh, push it. Push it real good. This is the week seven recap. I'm singing salt and Peppa because it's week seven and we have our first push of the season. Cleveland Browns beat the Cincinnati Bengals by three points. That was the three points that the Cleveland Browns were favored by. So 7-6-1 on the week. Barely over 500. I'll take it. 
Uh, I like being over 500, but I plan on doing better this week. Um, definitely on some of those games, you know, this Monday night game, I usually will talk about the Monday night game on this podcast, but this game was just atrocious. The Bears and the Rams, it was a defensive game, but it wasn't necessarily a defensive game because the defense, it was just really horrid quarterback play and just the offenses were really lackluster. David Montgomery finally had his really bad day without, you know, he didn't score the touchdown was the difference. You know, when he doesn't score a touchdown, this is the type of day he has about 60 total yards. But regardless, I picked Chicago to hang with the Rams. I thought they would, you know, it would be less than the five and a half points. And it wasn't. The Rams dominated from front to finish. So I got that one wrong. And uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, I said they would just outright win the game. They did. And they won by three points. So, you know, they, they beat the one and a half point spread. Actually, towards the day of the game, Tennessee was the favorite. They were favored by like a point. Um, you know, Dallas, I figured they would rebound. They didn't. They were three-point favorites to Washington, and they got annihilated by Washington. And then the Bills, it was risky. They were favored by 11. I thought they would do it against the Jets. They didn't. But uh, I had the Saints were seven and a half point favorites. I didn't like that, so I picked the Panthers. That was correct. Green Bay was three and a half point favorites at Houston. I liked that, and I picked them, and they ended up covering that. Um, I my my big pick of the day was Seattle was favored by three points. I picked the Cardinals. Cardinals won by three points, so that's a six point kind of swing that uh, helped me win that. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, I picked the Chargers to win by more than eight points. The Jaguars didn't let me down. They lost. They lost, you know, pretty big. And then the Patriots were favored by three. I didn't see how that was going to happen with that 49er defense, and that proved to be right. The 49ers utterly destroyed the Patriots. So some pretty good calls. Start and sit-wise, uh, I would say my three big misses was I had Gronkowski, James Robinson, and Baker Mayfield on the bench. Said to sit them. Other than that, man, it was right on. I said to sit Cam Newton, Jimmy Garoppolo. They were two of our ghosts. Um, said to sit Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He didn't have a great game against Denver. I said to start... Todd Gurley, DeAndre Swift, they both had pretty big games. Um, I actually like to talk about the sits more than the starts because that's kind of harder to predict. Deshaun Watson, I said to sit him. He eh, he had an okay day. Uh, definitely not, uh, the, you know, not on par with what he did previously. And uh, obviously... Uh, Traquan Smith, I said, was a sit, and he did average. I mean, I don't know. That that's that that could have still been a sit, depending on who you had at receiver. Especially with all the other Saints receivers being out, he thought maybe he would do a little bit better than that. Uh, Deontay Johnson, I said, to start with confidence. He really did. You know, he had a two touchdown performance. Did really well. 
And on the Cowboys side, I uh, on the Dallas Cowboys Washington game, I said the sit Michael Gallup, sit CD Lamb. Both of those guys, you know, Gallup had a goose egg, Lamb had one yard. Good calls. Said to start Kyle Allen, Ezekiel Elliott, Antonio Gibson. Uh, Antonio Gibson had a great game. Terry McLaurin, he had a great game. Logan Thomas, I said to start, even though I've been, you know, off the bandwagon on him. He had a great game. So, man, I'm, I'm impressed with the starting sits. We did a pretty good job on it this week. On top of that, the stars of the week, we'll revisit that. That I did not do as well. My QBs, my top three, I had Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, and Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater had a great game. I mean, he had two touchdowns, uh, did pretty well against the Saints. Aaron Rodgers, you know, we know what he did. Had a four touchdown passes. Matthew Stafford did not do very well. I mean, he played the Falcons. Falcons are, you know, you can start anybody. I mean, Cam Newton could have started against the Falcons and thrown for 500 yards, and Matthew Stafford just couldn't find the end zone. Was off to a really slow start and very disappointing. You know, I thought Kirk Cousins was the only one that could look bad against the Falcons in a half, and Matthew Stafford's like, hold my beer, here I come. And he, he did the same thing. And, uh, you know, like we, we talked about earlier, he didn't score a touchdown until the very last play of the game. So you had to be disappointed in that matchup and what his production was. At running back, our the three stars I predicted was Alvin Kamara. I mean, Alvin Kamara got a lot of yards, so yards-wise he was solid. It's just he didn't score any touchdowns, and that's what I think you were expecting in a matchup like this. So Alvin Kamara was kind of disappointing, even though he he had a lot of yards. He, um he, but he definitely wasn't a top three back. Wasn't even a top six back. I had Aaron Jones, and that's kind of a wash because when I made that prediction, he wasn't hurt yet. He didn't get hurt till two days later. And Jamal Williams came in and, and played well. So, you know, I guess with matchup-wise, Jamal Williams played well. Imagine if that was Aaron Jones. That would have been a good performance. And I had Kareem Hunt against the Bengals. Kareem Hunt had a uh, receiving touchdown. And did all right. There was running backs that obviously did better, and uh, we we talked about those. But uh, you you definitely weren't disappointed in his performance. Just wasn't a, a top three performance. At wide receiver, you know, I did pretty good at, on this one. Calvin Ridley, he definitely wasn't a top five, but he you know had eighty yards and a touchdown, which was a good a good day for Calvin Ridley in the loss to the Lions. Devontae Adams, which I had him at the number two star. He was the number two star, so I called that one perfectly. Thank you, Tyler Lockett, for totally dominating on Sunday night. That domination helped Devontae Adams stay at the second star and had me call that one. Terry McLaurin was my third star. And, again, Terry McLaurin did a really – well, he had a really good game – had a 50-yard touchdown from Kyle Allen. Um, respectable day, just not top three. So I, I actually feel really good about these receivers and, and how it was called. I uh, Like I said, uh, it's hard to pick the top three on anything, and uh, 
to have three guys that had uh, pretty good production is uh, pretty fulfilling. Tight end, I had Travis Kelsey against the Broncos. That was a big mistake. We talked about him. He ended up being one of the ghosts of the week. I had Hunter Henry versus the Jaguars. That was a mistake. He ended up being one of the ghosts of the week. Um, so I guess if I wanted to pick the set of the stars, the uh, the duds, I definitely would have nailed the tight end position. So as good as I did for the wide receiver position, the tight end position I did the complete opposite on. I did have TJ Hawkinson at the Falcons. And, you know, if you started TJ Hawkinson, you were sweating that whole game. He really wasn't doing much. Had that touchdown at the very end of the game that pretty much saved his day. Saved, you know, your fantasy football, uh, you know, your your week at that tight end position because that, t- that, that touchdown brought him into relevance f- from a point standpoint. So uh, he, he wasn't top three, but he ended up having a decent day, uh, after, you know, all things considered. It's Burke and Mrs. Pickups of the Week. Let's get it started. Now, let's all be honest with ourselves. You're, you know, you listen to this whole podcast, and you probably weren't paying attention or really cared about anything we've had to say to this point. This is the bread and butter. This is what you listen to the podcast for. This is how to make your fantasy football team better. The uh, stick-ups to pick-ups segment is uh, where we go over everyone you can pick up this week. That could be a good play that can help you beat your competition. So this is the part that we care about. And I don't blame you. I get it. I'm always the same way. I want to know what guys are are relevant pickups to to make my team better for the week. And having said that, we have, you know, our rules that we always have. We will, if if we mention somebody in previous weeks, we're not going to re-recommend them the next week. Um, I just feel like that's easy to do. Like, this week, pick up Chase Edmonds. Oh, well, you haven't picked up Chase Edmonds? You need to pick him up again this week. Um, we mentioned him a couple weeks ago, so he should already be on your roster. By the way, he is a definitely a good pickup, so if he is available, you need to go grab him and make him a priority with Kenyon Drake getting hurt. We're not sure how long that's going to be. But regardless, you know, there's uh, we've already mentioned him a couple weeks ago. So our goal is for you to pick up people that you don't have to waste waiver priority on, that you can basically get for free. And then a couple weeks down the road, they're hot waiver pickups. And, you know, that's when everyone's clamoring for them. And you can be like, well, I already got them on my roster, so you don't have to worry about it. Uh, and that's a key to, you know, starting or having really competitive lineups every week and, and just making your, your fantasy football team pretty solid uh, every game. That uh, that you play. So, having said that, we'll go right into it. Our number three quarterback to pick up is Tua Tagovola. I know I butchered his name. I can't pronounce it. I try all the time. Uh, I'm not a professional. Uh, you know, you know, being able to announce all these names and be able to to nail the enunciations and things. I try. Just uh, Tua. We'll just go with Tua right now. You need to pick him up. He's, uh, you know, if he does anything that Herbert or Burrow has been doing as a rookie quarterbacks, it's definitely worth it. But, you know, 
I know there's some doubt in regards to playing for the Dolphins and what he'll be able to do. But you don't want to be that guy that, you know, that doesn't pick him up and then he blows it up and you wish that you did. It's, it's better to pick him up and then if he doesn't produce, great, you can drop him. But especially for keeper leagues, dynasty leagues, he definitely needs to be on your radar and is definitely worth a pickup at this point. You know, he's not giving the you know the job back to Ryan Fitzpatrick this year. They're going to see what they have, especially with the Texans, how bad they are. They're getting a top draft pick from the Texans, and they want to make sure that Tua is the guy because if he's not, they can get another guy uh, pretty early in the draft. So I, I think this is why they decided to make that move, and I know we talked about that on a previous podcast. But, yeah, Tua is definitely the, the, the pickup. Uh, Baker Mayfield is our number two quarterback pickup of the week at quarterback. And here's another thing. We usually try to have, like, three pickups at each position. Quarterback, we definitely have three. But there was a lot of pickups this week that were really solid that I wanted to mention. Last week, I'll be honest, it really sucked. You know, you're, you're trying to reach for guys like, well, maybe you can pick up this guy. Maybe you can pick up this guy. He might be relevant. Well, yeah, last week there wasn't a lot of relevancy. This week there's a lot of good pickups that can make your team better. So we need to definitely discuss it. So if I, I've expanded the list a little bit because we uh, we need to win this week. And there's a lot of good options. And we don't want to forget about any of them. Anyway, having said that, um, Baker Mayfield, he's a horrible quarterback. He's throws a lot of a lot of interceptions, makes a lot of mistakes, can't really read defenses very well. Which, you know, is fine. But he does have those games like he did against the Bengals, where you're like, wow, this is Baker Mayfield. He's pretty relevant. And this week they're playing the Raiders. You know, you saw what Tom Brady did, and I'm not saying that Baker Mayfield's Tom Brady, but this is what a lot of teams are doing to the Raiders. They're they're not they're not very good at stopping other teams' offenses from just exploding. And the the Browns definitely have a matchup here where they can have a good offensive day. So if you have someone on a bye week, injury, say maybe Fitzpatrick was your backup and now you need to pivot over to somebody else, you weren't able to get to a Baker Mayfield might be a good option, especially for this week. Like I said, the Raiders are a good matchup for him, so you definitely need to be thinking about that. My number one is Carson Wentz, and it's Carson Wentz isn't a pickup just for next week. He's a pickup for every week. Carson Wentz has been playing some pretty good defenses. He's been playing with practice squad players. Uh, I read a stat somewhere that every single player that he threw a touchdown pass to this year has been on the practice squad in the last couple years. So he doesn't have a lot that he's working with. You know, Miles Sanders was out, Boston Scott played, and they were still able to beat the Giants. Uh, The schedule gets a lot better. I mean, they're playing the Cowboys this week. Guys are coming back. You know, Rager's coming back. Jeffrey will be back eventually. Uh, Fulgham's actually playing really well. Goddard's going to come back in week 10. There's, you know, Sanders is going to be coming back soon. There's a lot of weapons for him, and that's just going to make the Eagles better. And it's Carson Wentz is going to finally have those uh, quarterback weeks where 
he's relevant in a top 12 quarterback. So get him now because especially, you know, throughout the season, you, you know, Cowboys, Giants, Redskins, even though they're a lot better defense than they get credit for, they just uh, have a, a lot of prime matchups. Uh, yeah, they're playing the AFC North with, you know, with, with Cleveland and Cincinnati there, I, I just really like Carson Wentz. And especially if you're going, like, you know your team's good enough and they make the playoffs, he has some really good playoff matchups. So uh, Carson Wentz is definitely a backup that you want to pick up now and will be a, a long-term hold for you that could pay dividends. At running back, I have Giovanni Bernard. He's my fourth option out of because I have four running backs. Giovanni Bernard's my fourth option because Joe Mixon is supposed to be back this week and he's he's looking okay. But I think he's worth the pickup because it was you know it's kind of sudden last week. You might have already tried to pick him up before the you know the game started. Um, so someone might have him. But if they don't, he's he's a good option just because Joe Mixon might have a setback. He might go out there and then you know tweak it or, or something might happen. And Giovanni Bernard is, is a good running back himself, and he had a pretty good game last week. He's definitely on your radar if, if you're looking for some depth at running back. And, you know, it's, it's a good poaching mechanism. You know, Mixon's hurt. He's not going to play. Uh, let me try to stash him from the, uh, the guy that I'm playing that has Mixon, so he's not able to, to pivot over to Mixon's backup to play against me. Jamal Williams, kind of the same thing. Aaron Jones. He's out. We're not sure how long he's out. He probably might come back this week, but he might not. Jamal Williams did well in uh, Aaron Jones' absence. And uh, I think Jamal Williams is a good play if Aaron Jones isn't going to be out there. Uh, if anything, again, if Aaron Jones isn't available, it's good to pick him up and kind of block the guy that has Aaron Jones so he doesn't have an easy pivot to just his backup to, to, to play. Like he needs to go find a, a different completely different running back and uh yeah it gets dirty sometimes fantasy football is dirty and uh, those are some of the strategies you use to to uh, help your team out and weaken other teams my number three my number two is carlos hyde for the seahawks chris carson's hurt they're saying that uh he's going to try to come back he's it's going to be earlier i still think it's going to be a couple weeks at the minimum carlos hyde looked really good against the cardinals he had that long touchdown run. Very un-Carlos Hyde-like touchdown run. Uh, but he's he's a good pickup and definitely relevant. So he needs to be your number two. And then my number one, it probably would have been Jeff Wilson because of the day he had. But then Jeff Wilson got hurt, went on IR, and Jamichael Hasty then slides into that number one spot. He had a good game once Jeff Wilson was injured and left. And, you know, McKinnon's still there, but that's really it. You know, we're still waiting for Tevin Coleman to get off of IR. That's supposed to be soon. We still don't know when it is. To Michael Hasty, the way the 49ers run the ball, I just think he's the play at all, you know, at running back. We don't know when Mostert's going to come back. We don't know when Wilson's going to come back, if he does. And to Michael Hasty can definitely help your team out for a couple weeks while you're waiting to find all those things out so pick 
pick him up, get him. He should be your number one waiver priority at running back. He could pay huge dividends uh, here and into the future. At wide receiver, we have a lot of people. You know, we mentioned Denzel Mims last week. He should be on your team. He had an okay week where he had uh, 40 yards, caught four passes. I expect that to, you know, his workload to increase. But uh, our number five pickup is Nelson Aguilar for the Raiders. He's kind of mixing it with Hunter Renfro in that slot. And Nelson Aguilar has some crazy stat where he has, like, the most, with his uh, targets, he has the most yards per catch. And he has, like, two catches some games, and he scores. Well, with uh, the injuries the Raiders receivers are having, uh, Nelson Aguilar's just been really relevant, and he's taken advantage of those opportunities. And so they keep giving him more opportunities. And this matchup against the Browns, where the Browns are the worst team to, well, one of the worst teams to cover the slot receiver, uh, it's going to be a little mix of Hunter Renfro and Nelson Aguilar. The big difference is Aguilar scores, Hunter Renfro doesn't. You definitely you definitely need Nelson Aguilar on your radar as that uh, third receiver. And he's available in a lot of leagues. You know, I don't think there's very many teams that have even touched Nelson Aguilar. So he should be available. My number four is Richard Hollywood Higgins for the Browns. You know, we talked about it on our news, on our breaking news earlier. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is out for the year with an ACL tear. Really bad news for Odell Beckham. But you know who that makes uh, really good news for? It makes really good news for Richard Hollywood Higgins. He's going to be that second receiver. I like him. I think he's a talented receiver. For whatever reason, the Browns always go away from him in regards to the depth chart. Um, this is going to be a shot, and I think he takes advantage of it. I actually think that he's been the one of the more talented receivers in Cleveland. You know, Beckham Jr. and, and Landry get all the publicity for who they are, but uh, uh, Richard Higgins on a lot less. Uh, a lot less opportunities has been a pretty solid receiver and now he's going to get more opportunities with Beckham being hurt I, I think he's a good pickup he definitely should be uh, rostered somewhere and, and just to you know see what he what he can do being in the, the uh, you know starting lineup and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised number three is Jalen Rager uh Love Jalen Rager. He returns kicks. He catches passes. I mean, the one game he played, he had 60 yards receiving. Looked like it was going to be a sign of good things to come. Then he got hurt, got placed on IR, and we haven't heard from him since. And he's coming off of IR. It's going to be soon. The Eagles receivers are a mess. If Jeffrey doesn't come back, it's going to be Ward, Fulgham, and uh, Rager. And I think Rager can be a really big playmaker for the Eagles and, and be a really good option for Carson Wentz. It's actually part of the reason why I like Carson Wentz, uh, Wentz, <laughs> Wentz uh, coming back, uh, you know, as a as a pickup as well because he's getting these weapons like Rager coming back. So don't forget about Jalen Rager. If he's available, pick him up. I I, I think he's a, a number one type receiver that uh, has just been hurt. Sterling Shepard, I have him as number two. You know, the Giants' offense looks horrible. They still look horrible. But one thing I did appreciate 
uh, during that game against the Eagles was the fact that Daniel Jones really likes to go to Sterling Shepard. He, he targets him a lot. Sterling Shepard's probably the most talented receiver out of everybody. And I, I know you're not really, you know, that excited about going after a Giants offensive weapon. But if you were to do it, Sterling Shepard's the guy. He is a really good receiver, and he's coming back from injury. He's going to be off of IR. He, he was last week, scored the touchdown. And everyone kind of forgot about him. And, you know, people were like, stay away from him. He's always hurt. Well, he is always hurt. You, you do kind of need to know that when you pick him up that he can, you know, probably uh, get right back on the IR as fast as he can maybe do something for your football team. But he is a talent. I do like that chemistry. You need to pick him up. And then number one receiver, we don't even need to talk about it. He's probably already picked up as soon as the news broke. But, again, this news came out after we made our last podcast. And Tonio Brown, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Need to pick him up. He's the number one priority. Tom Brady didn't get him to the Buccaneers to not throw to him. Antonio Brown can get open all day long. Now, he's missed some time. That's going to be significant. There might be some rust early on. But, you know, if he doesn't get suspended or do something stupid again, which there's no guarantee of that because Antonio Brown is a clown, uh, I do acknowledge that, that you're getting a guy that uh, is kind of like Josh Gordon in the sense that uh, you, Josh Gordon, you weren't sure, you know, you, the talent was there, but you weren't sure his, his availability. It's kind of the same with Antonio Brown. Like, he can be reinstated, and then more news happens on his sexual assault cases, and then he gets suspended by the league again for more, once more information comes out. Um, but he's worth the risk. He can be a number one receiver for just a waiver wire pickup. So, um, again, he's probably already taken in your league because once the news broke, I'm sure everyone clamored to the, uh, you know, the waiver wire to go pick him up. But it, for by some crazy chance that he's sitting there, he's your number one. You need to pick him up. Tight end. Uh, Tyler Croft I have, number three for the, for the Bills. I just like Tyler Croft. Dawson Knox has been hurt. He's going to be out for a long time. Tyler Croft is a better receiving tight end, and once he's in there, they use him a lot more. So Dawson Knox doesn't have a lot of targets. Tyler Croft does. So I, re- you know, if you are in a bind, you need to find somebody. Pick up Tyler Croft. I think he's the uh, the way to go. Number two is Harrison Bryant for the Browns. You know, you saw what he did last week against the Bengals, scoring two touchdowns. Two touchdowns significant. The only reason why he's not number one is because I don't know, you know, the week-to-week volume that he will get, but I think he's the most talented tight end in Cleveland, and I do know that David Njoku's there. I think Njoku gets traded. I think that opens the door for Harrison Bryant, and this is a good long-term pickup that could pay dividends down the road. My number one pickup is Richard Rodgers for the Eagles you know, the former Packer tight end, he was targeted nine times. With Goddard and Ertz both being out, Rodgers is it. He's the tight end. And you're getting Philadelphia Eagle tight end production from a basically no-name player who nobody's clamoring to get off the waiver wire. You pick him up, you can get really good production from the tight end, especially if you've been struggling, which most teams have been struggling at the tight end position. 
this could be a really good fill-in that could be relevant and, and get you a lot of points. So there's our pickups to stick-ups for the week. We have a good list. Uh, you definitely need to be going after some of these guys. It will help your team, make them better. This is one of the better waiver wire weeks that we've had in some time. So make sure you jump up on it. It's time for our weekly preview. It's an exciting game as well. It's not going to be anything like the Giants-Eagles game the week before. Uh, we have two really good teams. Well, not good teams necessarily in record, but just good teams to watch. High-scoring offenses. So it should be uh, the opposite of this last Monday night game. This should be... Uh, high-scoring affair. Atlanta Falcons at the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are favored by three points, and I'm not having it. I'm taking the Atlanta Falcons. Thursday night football, it gets crazy. Weird things happen, and it would be it would be the easy play to, to pick the Panthers. Uh, I'm going with the Falcons. When these two teams meet, weird things always, uh, always transpire, so I'm, I'm not confident on the Panthers winning by three. Uh, I'm taking the Falcons. In regards to who you're starting and sitting, I mean, it's just a great matchup all the way around. You have Matt Ryan on one side, Teddy Bridgewater on the other. Uh, you know, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley on one side, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore on the other, who's, you know, they've, they've been pretty impressive this season. Uh, Todd Gurley, Mike Davis. And, and the, the biggest news is Christian McCaffrey is trying to practice and he wants to play this week the Panthers aren't going to do it it's a short week Thursday night they're going to let him sit out one more week and then probably uh, have him play the following week after that which is a smart thing to do this is going to be Mike Davis's last hurrah so if you have Mike Davis you know you definitely need to go to this waiver wire this week and, and pick somebody up and be prepared for that pivot because there's, there's, you know, once McCaffrey's the guy, he's going to be the guy that you're not going to see a lot of Mike Davis. So, I uh, hope you enjoyed the run while it lasted. But uh, this is going to be his, this is going to be his last show. Uh, you're starting Teddy Bridgewater. He has an amazing matchup against the Falcons. This is like the one of the best matchups you can have. So, Teddy Bridgewater, I, I think it's about. 350 yards, three touchdowns. If he gets anything less than that, I'm going to be disappointed. And I'm not even joking. This is the matchup that, you know, if you have a quarterback, you expect him to put up these type of numbers with the, against this defense. Todd Gurley, really, uh, you need to start Todd Gurley. He's my second guy where I'm really high on. Uh, as high as I am on Teddy Bridgewater, Todd Gurley, running back for the Falcons, you know, the, the Carolina Panthers can't defend the run. They can't defend the receiver out of the backfield, which would also be Todd Gurley. I think Todd Gurley can get a receiving touchdown, a rushing touchdown, get 100 yards rushing. This could be a really big day for Todd Gurley. So he, he could be a start of the week, actually. So you need to play Todd Gurley with a lot of confidence and, and know that he's going to have a big day. Mike Davis I have on here. I mean, it's not a great matchup. It's a middle-of-the-road matchup for him. But the way he's been playing... I'm willing to forget about the week he had last week. And, again, this is going to be his last week, so he doesn't have anything to play for. He has a lot to prove, and I, I think he has an amazing game. 
just trying to you know show the the Panthers that uh, the he needs to get more opportunities even with McCaffrey coming back. Robbie Anderson is a start. DJ Moore definitely a start. Falcons can't cover anybody. Those two receivers are due for a big game. DJ Moore is really starting to come on. You know, the the biggest difference between Anderson and DJ Moore was DJ Moore wasn't scoring touchdowns. They were both getting the same amount of targets. Now DJ Moore is scoring touchdowns and being pretty relevant. So Robbie Anderson's fading a little bit. DJ Moore is coming on strong, and it's it's good to see. Uh, regardless, because uh, the the Panthers' uh, passing attack has has definitely made leaps and bounds improvement from you know the the Cam Newton days where they were more run focused and, and dump off you know to the tight end and running back focused. Um, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, I have them as starts. Unfortunately, they don't have great matchups here. It's one of those things where teams are running against the Panthers because they can't stop it, so they don't really throw. But this is the Falcons. You know, you have Julio freaking Jones. You have Calvin freaking Ridley. Two Alabama products. You're playing them. You're starting them. And uh, they're matchup proof at this point. It doesn't matter if they have a bad matchup. You need to play them. Ian Thomas. I always mention Ian Thomas because the Panthers always play teams that have really big deficiencies defending the tight end position. And they don't use Ian Thomas ever. Ian Thomas has like eight points the whole year. Well, he has a good matchup. He still has a good matchup, even if they don't use him. So I like to point that out. He would be a start if they decided to throw to him. They probably won't, but uh, the matchup's there. You're sitting Matt Ryan. I know it sounds like blasphemy. You don't want to hear Matt Ryan being uh, on the bench, especially with the type of season he's having. But, again, I don't think he'll pass for a lot of yards. And uh, this is just not a good matchup stat-wise for Matt Ryan. Curtis Samuel, Russell Gage, you're sitting them because I just feel like a lot of it's a bad matchup for some of the star players. They're going to be force-feeding them and giving them a lot of volume. That kind of makes the secondary guys kind of fade away and become kind of irrelevant in this game. So, again, Curtis Samuel, Russell Gage, you're not thinking about it. Probably they're not on your roster to even worry about it. Hayden Hurst, he's a sit, unfortunately. He's kind of... uh, Panthers are good at defending the tight end position, and Hayden Hurst hasn't... You know, he had a decent week last week, but overall he hasn't given you any confidence that he's a great play every week. And uh, you're you're probably going to play him if he has a good matchup, but outside of that, you don't want to play him on a bad matchup. So Hayden Hurst to the bench uh, for all eternity. Uh, well, at least for this Thursday night game. But uh, this will be an exciting game. I, again, it's going to be high-powered. And these are the Thursday night games that you want to see. You know, it's been some matchups that you haven't been excited about recently. This is a matchup to get excited about. Maybe the Falcons can finally get their second win. They have one win all season. They, I think they're a better team than what the record is. Uh, but that defense just has to improve for them to do anything. This is Burke and Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Ms. The Wiz Montalban. 
our show, you've listened to it, and now it's over. So we'll be back at it in a couple days, going over our Sunday morning games. And we appreciate you listening. In the meantime, cheers. Thank you.